Hey friends, this is John Gunter at the Eagle Community Church of Christ in Mont Bellevue, Texas. This week we continue our study of the story. We are in chapter 5. This is the second uh, chapter that we talk about Moses this week with the Ten Commandments. And most importantly, and what I spend more time on, is uh, the golden calf incident. Remember the one where Aaron said, Hey, listen, all we did was gather the gold and put it in the fire. And then out came this calf. I can't imagine he did that with a straight face. Anyway, it's a great study. Uh, we hope we're, you're joining along in our study of the story. Uh, really just a, a kind of condensed uh, entire Bible study is what we're doing. So I'd love to have you join us in person. Come see us anytime. Hope you have a great week. See you soon. God said, oh, I didn't realize that. <laughs> but it's interesting to see how God uses people, again, who aren't perfect. And so that, that's a message for all of us that we can be used by God, though we don't have all the perfect attributes, right? And so that's a challenge. That's what I challenged you with last week, is that you ought to get out of the way and let God work within you. Because so many times we stand in the position of telling God what he can or cannot do through us because of what how we perceive our abilities. I can't do that. Let's let him talk about it. He's a better speaker. Let's let him do this. He's a better song leader. Let's her, let her lead this Bible study. She's better at it. And we all often stand in that position telling God what he can or cannot do and what I can or cannot do. This week... One of my favorite parts of the Exodus story happens in this week's chapter. And that is Moses has been gone. He's been out on the mountain. He's been talking with God, conversing with him. He's given the Ten Commandments. And when he walks back down the mountain, he doesn't, uh, he's not received by people just eager to see his face. What he hears as he's walking down is he hears singing. Well, what is this? What has been happening? Well, Moses has been gone for about 40 days. Now, I don't know if he was 92 or not. I need to go back and look at that. But, but it's interesting, the comments they have, it's like this, this fellow Moses has been gone a long time, and he's, he's quite old, and he's on a mountain. And they basically give him up for death, which is great. You know, hey, if I'm in that position, if I'm in Moses' position, I come back pretty hot. I'll just tell you that right now. But he comes back, and these people have already, despite all the awesome things that God has done in their lives, they have turned completely 180 away from God. The scripture uh, today that I, I really enjoy, when Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, again, as Aaron has created this, his anger burned, and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf the people had made and burned it in the fire. Then he ground it to powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. Now, Coach mentioned this in class this morning. Wouldn't you have loved to have been a part of this? I'll have some of that gold water. Thank you very much. He said to Aaron, what did these people do to you? Kind of implied, because I know you wouldn't do that. I know, Aaron, you're better than this. So what did these people do to you that you led them into such great sin? And Aaron astutely says, do not be angry, my Lord. You know how prone these people are to evil. 
this to me feels like a mother-father conversation about whose kid's who, right? <laughs> this is your kid. Here, You know how they are. I can't do anything about it. Aaron says, they said to me, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Again, giving him up for dead. So I told them, whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. Then they gave me the gold, and you wouldn't believe it, Moses. I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. How many times do you think we give excuses like that to God? I mean, we sit here, and we read this and there, and... Do you think he said that with a straight face to Moses? I've got buddies who, if we're talking to each other, we are joking, probably. Anybody got relationships like that? Like if there's a point to be serious, you've got to kind of ask, are you serious right now? Because we're joking so much. You think Aaron looked Moses in the eyeballs and said all of this? I just threw it in there, and out came this calf. Isn't that amazing? Scripture has just told us exactly what... Uh, what happened, I'm talking about Aaron here back in, in verse 4. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol, cast in the shape of a calf. In, in Hebrew, by the way, it's not golden calf, it's molten calf made of gold. Doesn't matter, but just thought you might inter be interested in that. Fashioning it with a tool, then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. That's the problem. These are the gods, this calf, who brought you out of Egypt. Now, when I think about this story, I think about all the amazing things these people have just seen. They're in slavery in Egypt. God does all these plagues and things that seem to escape all of them, but afflict the Egyptian. They are released, and upon release, they see this parting of the, the reed or Red Sea, and they get to experience that. They experience the manna on the ground. Did you catch that? Manna uh, in Hebrew sounds like, what is that? It's like little coriander seeds, it looks like. But God provides this, so even in the desert, they are able to eat and be sustained. And so God has been with them every single step of the way. And how do they repay him? 40 days where they're living, questioning, where'd this leader go, this Moses fellow? And all of a sudden, they decided to go another way. And as I think about this story, I've often been perplexed, like, how do you that quickly change? How do you that quickly go away from all the miraculous deeds that you've witnessed, and all of a sudden, you look at this calf and say, well, these are the gods. But I want you to think about this. Who has God been talking to this whole time? Moses. God's been talking to Moses, not to all of them, but Moses has been the mouthpiece. And so can you imagine the life of the, the average Israelite? Hearing from Moses all the time, and okay, we've, we've been led through some things. And if you notice earlier when they were going through the, after they passed the Red Sea, they, they still weren't happy, Right? They still, even, even in, as they were traveling, thought, man, wouldn't it have been better for us to die in Egypt or to stay in Egypt in slavery? That way we would have had better food. But God still sustains them. 
But in their normal everyday life, they look around and they are trying to pinpoint the source of all the blessing. Moses knows because Moses is talking to him. But they're not sure. And so to them, it might as well be this golden calf that is leading them out of Egypt as it is God. And I think that can be said for all of us as well. Because things happen in our lives that we don't give God credit for. How many times has something in your life happened? Let's take for your job, uh, for instance. How many times do you give God the credit for the way it's going and the way that he's blessed you through your job? And how many times do you give yourself the credit for all the work you've been putting in? Are you quick to give God the glory? How many of you have said in the last week, well, that's karma? That's kind of become a part of our, our language, right? I don't know who to attribute this to, so I'm going to attribute it to karma. You did that, so this is coming back to you. And so in our lives, we're, we're often trying to search and figure out where in the world is this coming from? Is this because of what I have done, and so I build myself up and have pride about that? Or is it about what God is doing within the world, the way that God is blessing? Now, I hope you noticed in the story this week this interaction between Moses and God. God is fed up with his people. God is kind of like John Gunter at about 8 o'clock in the evening. When you've told the kids to settle down 129 times, and they're still not settled down. And God said, you know what? I'm done with these people. I'm just going to wipe them off the face of the earth. And you have this weird kind of interaction where Moses is kind of standing there before God saying, God, please don't do this. God, do you realize that if you kill them all now, the Egyptians are going to say, well, this God they follow just brought them out here to kill them. And it's kind of it's weird because of the way we picture God uh, is probably not this, where somebody has to intercede and say, would you not kill all the people? But he does. And you see in this moment this kind of parental reaction. Okay, Moses, I... I love you, I know you by name. Because of this, I'm gonna bless you, I'm gonna bless all the people. And so what we see after this is kind of the way that God has been working all along. Remember in the Garden of Eden, God set up his ideal, his perfection. That what God wants in the beginning is to create a place for his people and just dwell there among them. That I'm gonna be there, we're gonna walk side by side and everything will be perfect, no bills. No insurance. That's worth one amen at least, right? I had a, uh, I had a buddy when I was in, uh, well, I guess all of school, and he was from the Assemblies of God, and he asked me one time, and he said, you mean to say that y'all just sit there and be quiet and listen? <coughs> I said, it's the oddest thing. <laughs> it is weird. That's worth an amen, y'all. No bills, no insurance. My gracious. That's what God wanted. 
And God creates this place and he wants to dwell. And again, he, he wants to make these covenants that I will be there with you. And even though he has to wipe the, the earth clean with a flood, he wants to create that covenant. Remember, he puts the rainbow in the sky to remind, not everybody else, to remind himself, which is interesting, about this covenant that I have with everyone. And so what, uh, what God tells uh, Moses, he says, then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Now, what I have in bold up there in yellow, although the whole world is mine, now that's a key for us, right? He's not saying only the Israelites are mine. He said the whole world is mine, but you have a special place in this story. And they did. He says, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. You are going to be special. You're going to be an example for all the rest of the people in the world. Remember, he told Abraham, through you, I'm going to bless all people, not just Israelites, not just you. Through you, I'm going to bless all people. This kind of is echoed in 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10. When Peter says this, talking to the church, by the way, see if this sounds familiar, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so to be one of God's people is to be called into this royal priesthood, this special relationship with God. We had a great discussion uh, this morning. Not enough people talked, but I talked a lot, uh, way too much. But one of the questions was, what does it mean to have this special relationship with God? What, is this, what does this do for us? What does this look like? And we are to be set apart. That's what, mean, that's what it means when it says holy that we are set apart and kind of in parentheses for a purpose. That we don't just exist here. We don't come together and just say, hey, we're the people of God. No, we are here for a purpose. Do you realize that? How many of you right now are out in the world searching for your purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? Don't you serve God? Why don't you love your neighbors as yourself? What does that look like when the church starts doing that? I said in class this morning that it doesn't take anything special. It doesn't take some kind of creative think tank to come together and to decide how to be different from the world. All we have to do is decide to live as God has asked us to live. You can't get on social media. You can't turn on the news. You can't do anything without seeing all the divisiveness that is in our world right now, right? Because you did something 30 years ago or said something. Now I find out about it 30 years after, and now I have to cancel you, right? That's our world. I can't have anything to do with you because of a mistake you made 30 years ago or longer. 
And so just to be out and to love one another is to set yourself apart, is to be holy, set apart from the rest of the world. And that's what God has called you to do. That you don't have to partake in all of the the angry yelling and name-calling of our political landscape. That you don't have to gang up and, and attack someone because of something they did 30 years ago. Does that mean you have to approve of it? Absolutely not. But that does mean you can come alongside someone and love them. For some reason in our society, love seems to mean, or people have this idea that Jesus came and he showed up and he said, I just want y'all to love everybody, meaning I want you to accept everybody as they are and what they do. There have always been rules. This week we got the Ten Commandments, right? There have always been things that we do and don't do. And the number one thing that I believe God says in these uh, Ten Commandments is to not have idols. God gets really upset with the people. And if you remember our series, do you remember our series when we talked about how uh, some of us have always had the feeling that God is just this man sitting up here with the book of life open, eraser pointed down, hovering over my name, just waiting for it to happen. Just mess up, just trip, stub your toe on something and say a, a curse word, John, and you're gone. And how we talk about Scripture doesn't talk like that. God gets so angry with the people, calls them stiff-necked. I love it because it feels like, again, this, this parent, parental moment. God's talking about going with them. I'm going to go with you, but I don't know because you're stiff-necked people. I might just, I might just wipe you off the planet. But the problem God has is not that they, they tripped and fell and said a curse word. It's they decided that he wasn't God anymore. That God to them was something else. It just so happened to be shaped in the form of a calf. You may not have a golden calf at your house, but I would bet there are some things in your life that you would fight for, that you may show even more loyalty to in your time with God, or your identity as a Christian, as a follower of him. There are things that may be American, but are not Christian. Have you noticed that in the world? I hate to say that. I love the country that we live in. We are so blessed. Does that get an amen by anybody? There's a room full of blessed people right here in front of you. And the source of all of those blessings is God Almighty. Not hard work and determination, but God Almighty. It gives us the breath in our lungs, the air I can finally breathe today. (laughs) I woke up one day and I told Katie, I can finally smell oxygen. (laughs) It's finally getting in there. Peter, as well as uh, what God tells Moses, is calling us to be different. I'm guessing, just guessing here, but when the people of Israel received the Ten Commandments, a lot of these things weren't shocking surprises. You should not covet what your neighbor has. Oh, I never would have known. You should not have any gods before me again. But God has always called us to be different. 
And as we talked in our series about looking in the mirror, this is one of those things where you have to be honest with yourself. Am I separate? Am I separate for a purpose in the world? Or am I blending in with the world? What is it? Because often our desires are so much, I don't know, blended in with our society that we would rather pursue something out in the world than actually say yes to what God has asked us to do. Do you find that to be true? I do. Every day is a constant wrestling. Every day brings forth its own kind of 40 days of questioning. Where does this come from? Where are we going now? What's the source of blessing? God, where are you? And so we have those questions and we have those desires to find out and we, we often claim that, well, this is God. This is God to me now. I, I admit this morning that uh, we have a saying around our house. Well, I don't guess it's a saying as much as uh, Katie's labeling of me. <laughs> She said, well, I know when you start something new, it's go big or go home. There's no building up into it. Uh, when I decide I want a hobby, uh, I go down a rabbit hole of YouTube that is hours long. I, uh, for whatever reason, I've always had this kind of perfectionist mindset. Not that I feel like I'm perfect, but that I want to do something perfect the first time. Anybody else struggle with that? Which is ridiculous, Right? Like, I know that essay is going to have some problems the first time I write it. So it takes me four days longer than it needs to because I'm overthinking what to put on paper. But I go big or go home, and that's fine, as long as whatever it is I'm pursuing does not take the place or the time of God. Right now, I'm on a, uh, I love growing a garden. I, uh, I don't know how many species of peppers I'm going to have this year. A buddy of mine from, from back home I went to Harding with for a little while, uh, he asked me after I posted on Facebook about my peppers coming up, he said, well, what all do you have planted? I thought, yeah, I'll put you a list together. And I finally did that yesterday, and I think I had 20-something different varieties of peppers. As soon as I finished entering that in Excel, it should have popped up some kind of red flashing thing. You have a problem. <laughs> it should. <laughs> so let me know if you like peppers. We're going we're gonna to give you some peppers. But those things, those pursuits of life, those things that bring us joy, and I think there are so many good lessons even in the gardening world, that we get to see God come to life that I put these little dry seeds in, ground, in the ground, and I do the best I can. I give them water, and I put them in the best growing medium I can. But no amount of sheer force or will or perseverance on my part can ever make those things pop up, can ever make them break through the soil, can ever make them produce so many more plants and seeds than I ever put in the ground. Only God can do that. And so today, I want you to think about a couple of things. How is it that God is blessing your life? What is it that you've been taking credit for that God has been doing? 
What is it that you've been putting the blame on something else, as Aaron did, but it was your own fault? Because we can kind of get stuck in that rut as well, can't we? Everybody's got it out for me. Boy, I love that. Everybody's got it out for me. I love it when, uh, I can't remember what I used to call it, but when parents would stick up for their kids, when obviously the kids were wrong. And uh, I had a, uh, a buddy of mine, his cousin, like to steal things. And so we were talking to uh, my buddy's uncle about this, and he said, oh, he didn't mean anything by it. I thought, what? He didn't mean anything by it. And so, so many times we just pass the buck on things that we have done. And so the story about Aaron and the golden calf is not a story about them and all the things they did, but it's a story about us. What is it that you've done that you've put something in your way between you and God? What is it that you have done to say, this wasn't my fault, this was everybody else, they didn't like me, that teacher didn't like me. When it was our fault all alone. I believe something we're missing in our culture today is the ability to say, I was wrong, it's my fault. Please forgive me. I don't know why we can't do that. Are we too proud? Are we too scared? God has called us to be different. And sometimes that's gonna mean people look at you a little funny. Why is it you forgave when they did that thing to you? Why is it you, I mean, you could have held that over them like I'm going to hold what Jordan said over him for the rest of his life. <laughs> but I choose to be different and forgive, Jordan. He's young. <clears throat> but look in the mirror. See what's really there. Make sure that the example that you put out to the rest of the world is that of Jesus? Is that of something different? Is that of somebody with a purpose? That I live not for myself, but for him. The Apostle Paul says, to live is Christ and to die is even better because I give my life to him. So this morning, I just wanna encourage you along those lines. If you have any needs that uh, you would like prayer, if you want to start that walk with him that God has shown you over and over, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll even deal with some stiff-necked, stubborn people like I am. Because he loves us and he wants the best for us. He wants that relationship with you. If you want to begin that today, we'll find a hot tub. We'll watch you put on Christ in baptism. And start that. Don't walk out of here having a question mark around your relationship with God Almighty. If you have any needs, would you come as we stand and sing? Thank mm -hmm. you.